Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children. Welcome to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teachings and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying through the Word of God. Welcome back, everyone. That scripture reading was taken from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. 1, 2, and 3 of 1 John chapter 4. Today we're going to continue our look at the various church councils. We won't do them all, but I selected a few that I thought was very important for us to go over. And then next time we'll go over the the creeds. Uh, What I'm discovering is whenever I do podcasts that are more of a theological nature that the listenership is low because I guess people have zero interest in, in in theological issues, but they are very important because this will keep you from getting duped and, and fooled. Um, I remember I told you I don't name names unless I deem it absolutely necessary. So going through these councils, I will do that i will name some names of various ministries because i believe it is absolutely necessary otherwise these councils be if i don't connect the councils to what's happening today then you're going to think well what's the point in knowing all this stuff well it's very important because number one what i want you to see is that a lot of the controversies of theological controversies or disagreements etc they're not new these are old heresies old false teachings all the devil does is repackage them. You know, you start out with a bottle of Ultra Sheen, and then the, the you know, Black Power Movement comes up, civil rights. So you take it out of the Ultra Sheen, out of the regular bottle, and you put it in a black bottle, put the word Afro in front of Sheen. Now you have Afro Sheen. But it's, a sta- it's, it's the exact same Ultra Sheen, no difference. What did they do? They repackaged it. And that's what the devil does. He takes the same heresies, the same false teachings, and he repackages them. So starting with the Council of Jerusalem, which it says seven, but I count eight because I, I include the Council of Jerusalem. That was the first one. And then I, I lightly touch on the Council of Nicaea. And by the way, I'm not even exhausting these. I'm just giving you the basic uh, overview of what the controversies were and what the conclusions were. Um, but there's a lot more I could go into it, but I'm not going to. Uh, bore you with unnecessary detail with some of the details all right so other than the starting with the council of jerusalem that's my first one then listed as the other uh seven major economical uh, 
ecumenical, economical. Wow, Freudian slip there, y'all. Major ecumenical councils. Don't get, don't let the word ecumenical frighten you. Uh, in that era, it was a very good thing because it got the East and the Western churches together. And yes, Rome was included in, in these as well, in these talks as well. All right, because now the church is trying to figure out and to hone her understanding of what the Bible actually teaches. Not what they believe, but what the Bible actually teaches. All right. So the first one, or the second one in my book, if you count the Council of Jerusalem, was the Council of Nicaea, 325. I did that one already. Then there was the first Council of Constantinople in 381. I'm going to skip that one. The one we're going to do today are the Council of Ephesus in 431 and the Council of Chalcedon in 451. Those two we're going to do today. And then to follow that one was the Council of Constantinople. And in 553, the third Council of Constantinople from 680 to 681. And finally, the second Council of Nicaea in 787. Why am I not going to do some of the others? Because they're just mainly reaffirming the first three, Council of Nicaea, Council of Constantinople, Ephesus, and Chalcedon. And the other ones are just more or less reaffirming because the heresy tried to rise up again. And then they had to do a sort of a reaffirmation, hence the Second Council of Nicaea. You had the First Council of Constantinople, but then later on, you had the Second Council of Constantinople. And the Council of Ephesus for in 431, which we'll do today, and the Council, the Council of Chalcedon in 451, they're connected because Chalcedon was to reaffirm what was talked about in the Council of Ephesus, which I think is also very important for us to look at today. So those are the, uh, the seven ecumenical councils of the church. And today we're just going to look at Ephesus, and then we'll move on to uh, Chalcedon. And then I'm going to demonstrate to you why these are important, because these same heresies are floating around to this very day. So let's take a look at that. And um, let's take a quick look here at the, the Council of Ephesus. Ephesus. All right. In the Council of Ephesus, the, the bishops convened in Ephesus. And by the way, all these councils, ironically, all seven of them were where? In Asia Minor. Where's the seven letters to the churches in the book of Revelation? In Asia Minor. Maybe, I, I know I went through the book of Revelation, but remember I told you I didn't exhaust everything. We may take a step back and look at the seven letters to the churches and uh, Revelations. And you'll see how that some of that even cross-references to the seven councils. So Christ had his own council, so to speak. But of course, he's his own council. He doesn't need a whole lot of bishops and popes and stuff. And so Christ came and gave his own ecumenical council, so to speak, uh, to the seven churches that were in Asia Minor. And so we we'll maybe take a look and see what Christ had to say. And we will make some comparisons to today. There's nothing new under the sun. That's what I started off as. Remember I told you that scripture in um in Ecclesiastes, that there's nothing new under the sun. That which is, was, and shall be. That which was done has already been done, and it'll be done again. 
I'm paraphrasing here. So none of this stuff is new, saints. It's not brand spanking new. It's the same thing. All the devil does is 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 rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat, lather, rinse, repeat. That's all he's doing. It's a rebranding of the same old nonsense from long ago. So don't let people shake you up. You know, oh, well, it was, it was hidden books. There were books that were left out of the Bible. Oh, look, look, at they didn't put these books in the, in the canon of Scripture. Why aren't they there? They're hiding some secret thing. And the Da Vinci Code, that's the worst. Please do not read the book, The Da Vinci Code, which was written by Dan Brown, the movie with Tom Hanks, and take that as gospel. It's a distortion of the historical narrative, straight up and down. Didn't happen that way. It's only to feed conspiracy theorists. And that's why the devil loves conspiracy theories, because they can't be proven, but boy, they can scare everybody. And make everybody suspicious. And everybody's giving everybody else a side eye. I had a young person was telling me about uh, some some of the pop artists. And they're part of the Illuminati. They sold their soul to the devil. And I was laughing to myself. I said, man, I heard this stuff when I was growing up. About some of the rock groups and the rock bands. Uh, you know, it's good. And you know what? And some of them do it. Some, You know why some of them do that? Because it sells records. The more evil and more nefarious, the more hidden secret things that you have. For some bizarre reason, the more people want to buy the record. So yeah, I'm part of the Illuminati. That's what they'll they'll, they'll tell you that in a minute. You know, I'm part of the Knights Templar. I'm I'm part of some secret society. And record sales go through the roof. Uh, those who want to be be cool and be part of something like that, and then those who don't like it will try to buy it and then analyze it. Backward masking. They play this letter, this thing backwards. It tells you to worship Satan. Or stupid stuff like that. It's hard enough writing a, a, a song forward. What kind of precision would you have to have to be able to write the song forward in such a way that when you play it in reverse, it says to worship Satan? That would take a nice, a serious skill set. Stop it, people. And even if you did have, even if it did say that playing it backwards, you're only playing it forward. Who plays the record backwards? How are you going to do that? Yeah, stupid stuff. All right, I know some of you going to come back with some technical. Oh, that's not what backward masking means. It means yeah, okay, I, I got you. I, I know about the subliminal stuff. All right, but my point is, this stuff has been done and said already before, and it has been debunked. And that's that's the importance of the church councils, and that's why I'm looking at these things here. So as you can see, this stuff has been debunked, been there, done that, seen it already. And then when I'm done here, we will start on, I'll run by uh, some of the creeds, the Apostles' Creed. And uh, the creeds were set up out of these councils, came the, the various creeds, the uh, Nicene Creed, the Apostle Creed, the, the, the Chalcedon Creed, etc. To set up fences to say that anything outside of these fences is considered heresy. So if somebody comes to you and says something that's heretical and you want to test it, you look at so you can take a good look at some of the creeds, and as long as it doesn't violate those, then there's a high possibility they're still within the ballpark. Now you may have to take a closer look because sometimes things are subtle, subtly said that aren't being said. 
All right, so the Council of Ephesus. The bishops con convened in the Council of Ephesus near present-day Selak Selkuk in Turkey, A.D. 431. The Roman emperor at the time was Theodius, and the pope then was at the time was Pope Celestine. And it was called to examine the unity of the person of Christ, his human and divine nature. Now, the end result was what the Bible teaches. Christ was 100% man and 100% God at the same time. One person, two natures. And, uh, well, there's a quick sidebar. Out of this also came... And this, this is to let you know they don't councils don't always get it right, but I, I do understand how the, the confusion. Because the question also was asked in this council, is Mary the mother of God? And we'll deal with that towards the end. I'll, re, I'll revisit that for you. I'll explain to you why they came to that conclusion and where the mistake was made. And it was corrected later on anyway, so. Okay, the result of the council was they denounced a guy named Nestorius and decreed Jesus was, was one person possessing two natures. That was the result of it. Nestorius was a bishop, and he was teaching some heretical stuff that Christ was, in fact, uh, just a man. Pretty much he was saying Christ was a man. Uh, notorious Nestorius, I say notorious, notorious Nestorius, as I, as I call him, that Christ had two separate natures. Christ was a, was a God, was, was nothing more. Christ had, did have two natures, but he was also two separate persons, two separate natures. Christ was, was a God inspired man rather than God made man. He said that Jesus was two persons, dioprosopianism, dioprosopianism is called. You had the divine Logos and the human Jesus. So you had not just two natures, but he was also two persons, the divine Logos, the word of God, divine, and he was also human Jesus. So there was two persons, not one. Now you got a two-headed monster here. Yeah, scary. And the early church denounced that and renounced it as uh, heretical. That was the Council of Ephesus. And yes, I'm, I'm abbreviating it because I want to get to some other points here. But that's basically what it was about. And it was refuted. Then you move on to the Council of Chalcedon, in which, again, it was being challenged. The issue, again, was the nature of Christ, his human and divine nature. So both of these councils, Ephesus and Chalcedon, were dealing with the nature and the per, nature of, and the person of Christ. Who is he? One guy said, Nestorius said, that Christ was two two separate persons: a divine Logos and a human Jesus. Because we know God can't die, so then the human Jesus died, but the divine Logos, you know. Kind of halfway right, but but wrong because again, Christ is not two persons. So he had two natures, and he was two persons. 
Okay. On the other hand, Eutychus, Eutychus, it's spelled E-U-T-Y-C-H-E-S, in the Council of Chalcedon, he said Christ had one nature and that the divine nature of Christ swallows up or absorbs the human nature of Jesus such that he is left with one theanthropic nature. So you've got a, you've got a hybrid. You've got part man, part God, you know, um, it's not a hundred percent man. He's not a hundred percent God. It's sort of like a, 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 a mixture. Uh, what they call it when you take two metals and you put them together and you create an alloy. So in Christ becomes an alloy. Um, so that's basically what he was saying. Now we're going to see why this is problematic. Okay. So, um, this was what the issue was, and this is what was re was refuted. <laughs> so both of them, Eutychus and Nestorius, Bishop Nestorius, both bishops, taught that Jesus and divine and human natures as separate or viewed Christ only always as divine. So... One guy said that Christ was only always human. The other one said Christ is only always divine. The divinity swallows up the, the humanness. And so you just end up with God and not man. And the other one, you just end up with man and not God. That was a problem. If you take them to, you follow both of them to their logical conclusion. That's what you come with. So you teach us. Boy, am I terrible pronouncing this guy's name? I'm murdering it, ain't I? <laughs> He taught that Jesus was divine human natures, that the divine nature swallows up his human nature. So and eventually he just becomes God, is what he's saying. There's no humanity in Christ at all whatsoever. He is not man. But then if he's not man, he cannot atone for the sins of the world. He, can, he has to be perfect man in order to atone for the sins of the world. So that kills the atonement and destroys the incarnation. And then if that's the case, if he's 100% God, He's not man, then we're doomed still. Because no atonement, no no blood was shed. God has no blood. So how are you gonna shed blood? In fact, um one of the extreme heresies of this is that God only appeared to be in the flesh, but he really wasn't flesh. Okay, you find that with the Jehovah Witnesses, not so much at the at the first coming, but when he at his resurrection. They said Christ was came back and he did not have a physical body. That body was a body he created so that he could appear to his apostles. And I'm like, okay. Uh, no, that's not the case. So, but Christ did not really come here in the flesh. All right. That was just something he created to sort of you could see and, you know, and appear among us. But it really wasn't his flesh. That's why I read to you in First John: anybody who says does not believe that Christ has not come in the flesh is the antichrist. That's the spirit of antichrist. Christ has not come in the flesh. He just showed up here as God, and he put on a little. Uh, what you saw was an illusion. It wasn't really human flesh at all. It was just something he made. You know. And then, you know, we just shed that off. He just made that disappear. And then he, you know, goes back to being divine or whatever. 
but he didn't. Christ never had a human, a real human body. That's what they were arguing, and that he was one hundred percent divine at all times, and never was he. At no time was he actually man. And we read it in First John chapter four. Anybody who denies that Christ has come in the flesh is the antichrist. I'll say it again: anybody who denies Christ has come in the flesh is the antichrist. So that would have been the logical conclusion uh, if you follow these two heretics uh, to the logical conclusion. And that's why I kind of lump them together because they kind of come at it from different angles, but they end up at the same place. The other one uh, was the opposite direction. Christ was not divine. Um, he was a man, and he was in flesh, but he did possess the, the Logos, or the Word indwelled him. So he was just a God or a Spirit-filled man. Well, that's you and me. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Anybody that's a Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. Uh, so then Christ would be just like me. Well, no, that doesn't work either, because if Christ is just like me and you, this planet is doomed because neither I nor you can shed our blood to save anyone. Yeah, the jig is up. It's over. Eat, be, eat drink, and be merry, y'all, because tomorrow we all going to burn. There will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's my point. And that's why these two men were considered heretics. All right, so I stopped being lazy. It's Eutychus. Eutychus is how you pronounce it. I went to Google <laughs> for you how to. And Nestorius. Eutychus and Nestorius. So the two heretics that were saying that um, one said that Christ was two persons, that's Nestor Nestorius with his crazy self, it was two persons, and in fact he was a man, and he, and he just happened to have the Logos, I guess that made the other person, but anyway, he would have a two-headed monster, but in short, what he was really saying, when, you, when it's all said and done, Christ was a man that was infused with the Holy Spirit, well, that's what we, if you're saved, that's everybody, if you're saved, so how, how's that any different, how was Christ any different than me, right? No, that that doesn't work, and he wouldn't be able to atone for the sins of the sins of the world. I'm gonna read this again. I want to read this again in your hearing. First John chapter four, which is about testing the spirits. Verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit that every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You have a right to question everything. Every podcast I have ever done, you have a right to test every last one of them. Ask questions. Go to the scriptures and make sure that I am biblical. I'm not going to freak out or have a meltdown if you do that. I I wish everybody listening to this podcast would do just that. Go to the scriptures and don't accept anything from anyone without taking an looking at to make sure the scriptures are, are, are correct and in the proper context. And that's starting with me. You can start with my podcast. Anything you listen to, you get back to your Bible and look it up. And you think I'm wrong? Reach out to me. We can have a discussion. I'm not afraid to have a conversation. I, I don't argue. I don't 
do it hominem attacks. I'm not going to condemn you as the Antichrist because you don't agree with me. Uh, the Bible may condemn you, but I won't. <laughs> All right, look, people. Uh, I, I'm at rhyd1-2001 at gmail.com, rhyd1-2001 at gmail.com. You can reach out to me there. But it's okay to ask questions and say you don't understand something. That's not a problem. And you should be able to do that in any church. I don't care if you're, you're, you're a pastor, he's preaching, do not be passive. Take notes. If something comes to your mind and you have a question, or write it down because you're going to forget it. Short pencil is better than a long memory. And write it down, and then we get a chance. You can go ask the questions. All right? So don't be afraid to ask questions and, do, and to do your own investigation. Your soul is at, your immortal soul is at stake here, saints. So let's get this thing here right and ask questions and investigate. And um, to see if these things be so. Be like the Bereans, noble Bereans. Search the scriptures to see if these things be so. But you want to test the spirits. The Bible tells you this. Test the spirits. You are commanded by God to test. He's not asking you. He's telling you. Don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything you hear. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets, in this case, Eutychus and Nestorius, to name a few, for many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Both of these men, particularly uh, Eutychus and Nestorius, were pretty much denying that Christ has come in the flesh. One is saying that he showed up, and he was just a logos, and he uh, he was he was a god, he was a god infused man. Um, that's not Christ coming in the flesh. That's just a man being filled with the Holy Spirit. That if that's the case, he can't be Christ. If that's all he is, which means Christ did not come in the flesh. I don't know who, you, who what kind of Jesus he, that is. And then the other one simply uh, said that. <laughs> that Christ was just simply just weird. Oh man, just weird. That Christ had had uh, that his human nature was followed up by the divine nature. That that makes no sense either. Because then you end up with just that a man. But uh, so even though, so, coming from opposite ends, they both ended up with the same conclusion: that Christ was just a man that happened to have the Holy Spirit. And that's what you end up with. All right. And the Bible says, this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is, now is, now already is in the world. Spirit of Antichrist is here already. Been here since the first century, people. He's been hanging out. And yet he is still to come. And eventually he'll have on human flesh. But it won't be God. All right. I'm going to back up here a little bit. And um, in the Council of Nicaea, where they were talking about the um, the very nature of Christ, was he homoousia or 
was he was he uh, God become man, or was he just man who happened to have God in him? Which is pretty much all these heresies. You see how they all connect? They all connected to exactly the same things over and over and over again. And they always want to deny the deity of Jesus Christ some kind of way, somehow. He's not fully God. All right, so where do you find some of these heresies? Well, if you ever listen to uh, I le- listen to a clip, I'm not going to play the clips here because then you get copyright strikes and and so on and so forth. Uh, God willing, when I get my website up, I w- and I'm going to do some video. I will put the links in there where you can click on the link and see it for yourself. But um, everybody's sensitive about copywritten material, etc. I kind of understand it. Um, if I was a heretic, I wouldn't want to be exposed either. But in in there is a there's a clip where Joel Osteen's wife is doing communion, and I'm not exactly sure why she's doing that because she's not a pastor. She's doing an official function of the church, but all right, pastor's wife, I guess. Anyhow. Uh, while she's doing the communion service, she makes the statement, and she says, this is not the exact quotation of it, but she says that Jesus was just a man, and then once God put his spirit in him, which I guess would have been at his water baptism when the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, Christ was nothing more than a man, and he became divine once the Holy Spirit came down upon him. Well, that sounds familiar, isn't it? Isn't that what these guys said, Eutychus and Nestorius? That Christ was just a man, and then he became God or God-like when he came infused with the Holy Spirit. So if you become God when you're infused with the Holy Spirit, that would make every last, you, me, and every last one of us gods. Hmm. And yet you have in Word of Faith teaching that we are little gods wow see how things just snowball out of control right because if christ was just a man that was infused with the holy spirit you know about the rest of us we all get infused with the holy spirit and then we become divine as well hmm and like god we can declare and decree things because hey you know we're little gods yeah, that's where some of this, this, this nonsense comes from. Jamal Bryant says that for 80% of Jesus' life, he was out of order. Because he did what his natural father wanted him to do, as opposed to what God, his father, wanted him to do. And then he ends it by saying Jesus was wrong. Well, if Jesus was wrong about anything, just one thing. Number one, he couldn't atone for our sins, so that the sooner we're still doomed. By the way, if any of this stuff that these people are saying is true, we're all doomed because we're all going. We're definitely going to hell now. No question about it. We're done. But this comes from the idea. What's at the root of the? Of, why would he think like that? Because the root of that thinking is that he doesn't see Jesus as Threanthropus, the God Man. He just sees him as man, and as man that he had, he would have had to have messed up somewhere. 
right? Because since we know, I don't know anybody that's perfect, do you? Other than Christ himself. This is what I'm saying. This is why these heresies and these beliefs are dangerous. You go back to the Council of Nicaea, where Arius taught that Christ was not divine, but he was a created being. Where do you find that? You find that in the Jehovah Witnesses. That's the Arian heresy. That's, the, that's, that's, that's exactly where it resurfaced again, in the Jehovah Witnesses, about the true nature of Christ. And so he was just a man, and he was not God, and he was co-creator, blah, 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 but he's not God, and some of them even have him as Michael the Archangel. Not human, but not God either. Somewhere in between. I guess I would put him as an angel. That's Jehovah Witnesses. You see why these heresies have to be explored in these councils? Because it's been done before. But the Jehovah Witnesses will show up at your door and make you think that this is some new thing they just discovered in, in 19-whatever, or 18-whatever. Charles Taz Russell rediscovered this. And they say, see, and then, then, they'll, then they'll take you back to Arius. See, some of the early church fathers and bishops believe this. But what they won't tell you, that he was condemned as a heretic by the rest of the church. And, uh, and condemned. And so here now we look at Eutychus and Nestorius, and we got the same thing. Everybody trying to make Christ just as a man. And not divine. They're confusing the nature as to who Christ is. One says Christ was just a man until the Spirit of God came upon him. The other guy says that because he's the overemphasis on Christ's humanity, he was just a man. And so now Jesus was out of order for eighty percent of his life, and now he and he was in addition to that, he was wrong. This is Eutychus and Nestorius. Confusing the nature of God, his divine and his human nature. So that the, the divine nature, does one of the divine nature swallows up the human nature, or he's just human that happened to have the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. And if that's the case, then we, oh, we too can be gods. Because I got the Holy Ghost in me, I'm saved. And if you're saved listening to this, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Does that make you a god? And if you're female, would you then now therefore become a goddess? Hmm. I don't know. See how we start? See how things just devolve? One bad idea. And then that's how the devil does it. One idea. Did God really say? One question. Did What did God really say? What is the true nature of Christ, the devil asks? Is he really God? How was that possible? Maybe he was just a man, and he had a, he had a, he was two was two persons. He had a he was a, he was the man Jesus, and then he was the he was the God Jesus or the or the or the Logos word, and there was like two of them. Yeah, so the devil tries to create smoke screens, confusions, misdirection. Did God really say? What's the true nature of Christ? Is he really God? How can God be man? How can there be? How can Jesus be God, the Father God, and the Holy Spirit God? Ah, oh, that's confusing. Yeah, you got three gods. See, did God really say? And then when you say what God says, the devil then contradicts what God says. 
Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's what the devil will tell you. And you hear me say that all the time. That's why I say vest me. Because the devil uses the same term. That's not what the devil, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God really said. That's the devil. And then he'll proceed to tell you what he believes that God really said. But it's a lie. He's not even, because he knows God didn't say that. And he'll lie to you and tell you God said it. That's why you have to go to the scriptures for yourself, people. Go into the word for yourself, me or anyone else. That's something the devil won't tell you. As soon as you start to investigate the devil, touch not my anointed nor do my prophets any harm. You putting your mouth on God's man because they don't want to be investigated. If it's a lie and you, you don't want nobody to find out the truth. But if somebody's telling you the truth, they're not afraid to be investigated. So, investigate me. Check it out. See if it, see if it, if it, if it is if what I'm saying is so. And if not, reach out to me. I don't mind. I can accept correction. Now, again, it, it, you, your correction has to be biblical or make a really good point. Okay, so we may have a conversation about it, but that's okay. Because I have changed my views on certain things uh, in my Christian life as well. I started out with certain areas, and over the years, through study of scriptures, etc., I have changed my views on some things. Because we're all growing and we're all learning. But I only change my views when I see it in scripture. Sola Scriptura. The final court of arbitration for me and the final court of arbitration for you should be the Holy Scriptures, the 66 books that every church, Egyptian Coptic, Ethiopian Coptic, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, Protestant, any church anywhere globally, even some of the cults, but they're, they're, not, they're of no consequence here in this discussion. Even the cults will agree on the 66. Now, some may add a little. I think Ethiopian, like I said, they have 82 books. I think it is. Don't quote me on that. Uh, bet me on that one. And we know that the Catholic Douay has 72. But within the 72 is the 66. Within the 80s, 82 is the 66. So if, if nothing else, we can debate the other ones. But if nothing else, we know these 66 are rock solid because the church universally, categorically, without, without debate, all agree 100%. You know how hard it is to get anybody to agree, to get a whole bunch, to get two people to agree 100% on anything. But here you got 100% agreement across the board in every single denomination, church, or whatever. We all agree the 66 are canon. Okay. That should speak, that should say something to you. Because that's not an easy feat to get everybody to agree on anything at all. So these heresies, saints, are not new. Word of faith, they teach from Creflo to Kenneth Copeland to. Kenneth Hagen, uh, any word of faith teacher, uh, Paula White, um, 
Joseph Prince. They all have that idea of little gods. Joyce Myers. All those are word of faith teachers. And they will all t have a warped sense as to who Christ actually was. To the point, to the point that when Christ died, they have a false teaching that says Christ was born again in hell. Christ went to hell and then he, he and they missed, they distort the scripture that says he, he who knew no sin became sin for us. And so when Christ died on the cross, he turned into a weak, emaciated worm. In other words, Christ turned into a demon. Now, just, just that alone sounds stupid. How can Theanthropos, the God-man, now he's down there as a demon? What is this? What kind of foolishness is this? An emaciated worm and became like a demon. And, and then, then the demons and all the demons in hell got around him and tortured him for three days. And, you know, then all of a sudden God got his faith-filled words spoken into, the, into, the, into hell. And then Christ, you know, suddenly bursts out, you know, like Superman. You know, I, 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 or, or underdog, or, or you know, when he takes his pill, he's getting beat up, and because he's weak, because he, his pill died, died out on him, and then he takes his pill, and all of a sudden, bang! You know, all the bad guys fly off him because he, now he's underdog again. That's pure and utter nonsense. Christ did not go to hell, did not get tortured by demons, and did not become an emaciated worm, and he certainly did not change into transform into anything that resembles a demon. Christ did not go to hell and have a smackdown with the devil. It wasn't WWE smackdown and have a cage match with the devil so that he can take back authority from the devil. That is insane and pure 100% ludicrous nonsense. How can you take back what you've always had? Okay, before we take a look at some of the creeds here, what I want to do uh, in continuation, Christ, let me make this clear to you, Christ always had authority. If the devil had the keys of death and hell, how was Christ raising people from the dead if the devil had that power? Pre-resurrection of Christ. Because y'all just said the devil had the power and Christ had to take it from him. And he hadn't died yet and went to hell and had a smackdown with him to get the keys of death and hell. So what are you talking about? Oh, wait a minute. Elijah did that, raised the boy back to life, and he's not even Jesus. So evidently the devil, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says, God says this, I kill and I make alive. Why do you think Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac? Because he, he knew there was going to be a resurrection. Says that in the book of Hebrews. The devil has never had the power of death. Let's get that straight. Life and death is in God's hands. God decides ultimately, at the end of the day, who lives and who dies and when. That's 100% in the hands of God. He alone can make those decisions. All right. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished. The Greek word for finished, telostai. Telostai. Meaning it is finished. 
Why is that significant? Because at when the priest went into the temple to make sacrifice, the high priest, if he managed not to be struck dead because of his own sins, if he wasn't right, if you weren't right with God, they, they had a rope tied around you and they just yanked you back out because you, you know, they couldn't go in there and get you. But once the priest made sacrifice, the high priest made the sacrifice, and atonement was made for the sins of the nation. The priest would come out and announce to the people, it is finished, telostai. So Jesus saying telostai, meaning the atonement was complete. The forgiveness of sins was settled on the cross, not when he died and had to have a smackdown in hell with the devil. Okay, so redemption was completed on the cross before they even took him down. The book of Revelation, Jesus said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the authority of death and hell, or the keys of death and hell. Those keys, he's just making a statement of fact. He's just letting you know he has the keys of death and hell. Why? Because he's always had them. He didn't say, that I went to hell and fought the devil for them, and I got them. He just simply said, I have them. He's letting you know, and how do I know? Because he said, I am the first and I am the last. So at the first, at the beginning, he had the keys of death and hell. And at the last, he had the keys of death and hell. He's the first and he's the last. He's the beginning and the end. This is not rocket science, people. But because of heresies like Nestorius and, and uh, Euthychus, where Christ is human and 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 you know these guys say God can't work prayer is prayer is you giving God permission to work in the earth what full stop yeah Miles Monroe teaches that prayer is you giving God permission to work in the earth because God can only work through a man so then man becomes more powerful than God. We can stop God from working, which is nonsense. You can't stop God from working. Nobody can. Okay, so you're scratching my head, and you say, why are you naming these names? I want you to see that these heresies breed, not only do they continue to live on, but they breed other heresies. That's, what, that's the root of all this stuff. One bad heresy, and before you know it, one bad idea, and then he put another bad idea in top. And that's how the devil does. He layers it like a layer cake. And now all of a sudden, God is no longer sovereign, and God needs man to work in the earth. Kenneth Copeland says that if God had, Abraham could have told God, get out of here, don't don't bother me. And God could not have done anything about it. And I was like, that's what you think. Listen, people, God is sovereign. God does whatever he wills, and God does whatever he wants. Nobody or no one can stop God from doing anything that he wants to do. So don't let these people dazzle you or fool you. That's why I say, read the scriptures for yourself. Open your Bible and study it for yourself. And that starts with me. You vet everything that I say. You got any questions? RHYD1-2001 at gmail.com. Yes, this is what I'm trying to tell you. Okay, so vet everything, vet me as well. Just because I say it don't mean it's so. You got to go back to the scriptures and check it out for yourself. 
So this is what happens, people. When you have bad ideas and then it just leads from one bad idea right into another. It just it's just nonstop. Christ always had the power of death and life. And why is that? Because he wouldn't have been able to do all the miracles that he did. He'd have to wait till he died, go down there and have a fist fight with the devil, and then take it from him and say, All right, now I got a, now I got authority back now. I, I can do what I need to do. Why do you think <laughs> the devil said, all these kingdoms will I give you? All you have to do is bow down and worship me. When Christ is saying to himself, <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It ain't yours, baby. It ain't yours. Never was, never will be. Now you have some influence and some control now on the earth because of sin. Sure, to be sure. But overarching that, this world, the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the earth and all they that dwell therein, including the devil. Everything belongs to God, including the devil. Everything belongs to God and is subject to God, including the devil and his demons. All, even they are subject to God. Even they are ruled by God and controlled by God and belong to God. Everything is God's. Get that? All right. Let's take a little look at the creeds here now. And I'm not being exhaustive. I'm just touching. This is just the tip of the iceberg. RHYD1, 2001gmail.com. I'm thinking of doing some uh, some Patreon classes, doing some Bible studies. And um, once I get my video stuff and Zoom set up, I'll probably doing some Bible studies. And maybe going through a book of the Bible or, or something. Like that. I, was, I started to go through the book of Hebrews, but like I said... A lot of people don't show interest in it, but what I will do is I will do it for people who are interested, who really want to study the Bible and ask questions and get to know what the scriptures actually teach. And the title of the nonsense you see, and that, that stuff on television, it, I used to call it fast food. It's not even fast food. It's just, it's just pure dung and a lot of nonsense. They sprinkle some sugar on it. It's cotton candy. You bite it and you taste the sweetness for a minute, but it's gone. And it has no, zero nutritional value. And God's people are starving because of lack of knowledge. So I'm going to read the creeds for you here. And I may explain some of it. I may not, just so in, in the interest of time. The Nicene Creed reads as thus. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. I believe in one holy Catholic, that means universal church. It's not speaking of Rome, so don't panic. This means universal and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. That's the Nicene Creed in, in short. Now let's take a look at the, uh, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do the Apostles' Creed last. Let's take a look at Chalcedon. All right. Uh, the Chalcedon Creed. And it says this. Uh, we then, following the Holy Fathers, all with one consent, teach men to confess one and the same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. That means one in person. The same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood. So, the Anthropos, the God-man, that Christ is 100% God 
and 100% man at the same time. So at the incarnation, when the word became flesh, it was that child at that point on became the God man. He has 100% humanity and he has 100% divinity. That's who Christ is. He's, the divinity doesn't swallow up the humanity and the humanity doesn't, is not separate and is not a separate person distinct from the, his divinity. So it's one person, but he has two natures, not two persons and two natures or one, one nature, the divine swallowing up the human nature. We then following Holy Fathers with all the one consent teach teach men to confess. Now here's what they teach men to confess. The same Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same perfect in Godhead and also perfect in manhood, truly God and truly man. He has a rational soul and body, coessential with the Father according to the Godhead, and co-substantial with, with us, that is human beings. So that's the gist of the Chalcedian Creed. And of course, the all-time favorite, the most popular one of them all, is the Apostles' Creed. Uh, okay, we go. The Apostles' Creed. And here are the words of the Apostles' Creed. So a lot out of all these councils, these creeds were formed, and they were fences to help protect us from false teaching. And they're biblically based, and you can go back into the scriptures. Um, like I said, I would have to do a Patreon to show you how each one is biblically based. Uh, but you can do your own research on your own. These podcasts, because I only have an hour of time, are only are not intended to be exhaustive. But I want to create conversation. I want to, if I get you angry, I get you mad. That ain't right. That, I don't agree with that. That's fine. Go back to the scriptures and see if these things be so. Search, search them and take your time. And, and look into it. And if you want to reach me and discuss it with me, I am more than happy to have a discussion with anyone about these uh, on this particular topic. All right. So, um, but then I, but the Apostle Creed reads as thus, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended in to 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 hell okay and that's just an, i'm just abbreviating them i'm going through the, there's more to these creeds than what i just read there but for the sake of time i just wanted to kind of whet your appetite so what's the point of all this i want you to go back to church history to see that a lot of these heresies a lot of these false ideas and teachings that are out here okay are not new and they are a result of heresies that were condemned long ago but all the devil has done is just repackage it tossed it out there for consumption why because we have a generation that doesn't know church history and if you don't know history you're doomed to repeat it over and over and over and over and over again that's why i'm doing this and that's why I approach things from a historical perspective, trying to get an understanding of uh, what the early church councils were about. The Judaizers, where do you see that? That's the Hebrew Israelites or anybody. You see these Christians 
coming out now with the prayer shawls of covering the head with the with the, with the, with the with covering the head with the Jewish prayer shawl with the star of David on each end, um, because somehow they think it makes them more spiritual. So you so you know because we need to bind them, does it? Every oh well, it must be good. And so now I got Christian people running out here getting prayer shawls, and and John Hagee, you know, was on there with a prayer shawl. And he was giving a lesson. Now, can you learn lessons from these things? Sure, you can. But let me make this clear. Praying with a prayer shawl on top of your head is not going to make your prayers more powerful than anybody else's. The Bible says the prayer of faith, not the prayer of faith with the prayer shawl on the head. It says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. It's the prayer of faith that works. It doesn't matter what you're putting on top of your head or don't have on top of your head. It's the prayer of faith. But the Judaizers would have us to go back and practice some of the Jewish practices, you know, Sabbatarianism. You got you got to worship on Saturday. If you worship it on Saturday, you know, uh, you, you're out of order. Well, I demonstrated how the early church in the Book of Acts had already started worshiping on the first day of the week, complete with communion, breaking of bread, and a sermon—a sermon that was so long the boy fell asleep and and fell out the window and died. And Paul had to raise him back. God used Paul to raise him back to life. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. It wasn't Constantine. And people, oh, Constantine, you know, he changed it. When you're worshiping the sun god and all kind of foolishness. The Council of Jerusalem, if Christianity, if Christians had to practice everything that the Jews did, in addition to believing in Christ as Messiah, we would become Jewish converts. And Christianity could not have gone global. It would not have gone global. Israel was be, has been as a nation and as a people has is is under the judgment of God. God has been dealing with them through the centuries, and yes, He has a special place for them, and they will return to not just to the land, but they will return to God, and they will they will embrace Christ as Messiah eventually. That's going to happen. But in the meantime, in order for the gospel to go global, God had to create something else and detach it from Judaism. Otherwise, we'd, we would also be under the same judgment. This is not rocket science. Now, how are we going to spread the gospel while being under judgment at exactly the same time? No, this is the time of the Gentiles. God had to detach it from Judaism. Okay, and he had to come with something something that was totally different. Okay, so we're not living under that Mosaic Covenant, that Sinai Covenant there on Deuteronomy 28. That everybody likes to quote, bless in the city, bless in the field, but they never talk about the curses and the judgment that comes upon us. And then when the Hebrew Israelites do talk about it, they try to use that to say because the, because the African has a similar history to the to the uh, Jewish diaspora, uh, we conclude it must be us. Well, some Africans may be part of the Jewish diaspora because some of them went down into Africa, so that's quite possible. But it can't be all of us. That's just not possible. Africa's a large continent with a lot of different kinds of people, and everybody in Africa is not Jewish. So, everybody is not Hebrew or whatever you want to call yourself. So, 
So those are the Judaizers, those who would have us return back to and practice some of the Jewish practices. Now, can we learn from the Jewish practices? Oh, my goodness. Yes, we can learn from them. We can understand things. God can show us various, give us illumination in the word. Um, I have some Jewish rabbis that I talk to, and they help me out a lot in understanding the scriptures and the Jewish mindset, etc. But I'm not going back to practice Judaism. This is just not going to happen because Christianity is something separate and distinct. So if you want to wear a prayer shawl, fine, but don't condemn the rest of us because we're not wearing it. You're not better than us. You're not deeper and more spiritual than the rest of us. Because we're all, the prayer that God answers is the prayer of faith, not the prayer of faith with the prayer shawl on the head. That's not how that works. So, saints of God, what we've demonstrated from by looking at some of these creeds and some of these councils, that heresy is not new. It's been here already. And then once it comes out, it morphs and it just takes different forms and shapes. The things like a mighty, like a transformer or a mighty morphing Power Ranger it just morphs into something else. Transformers more than meets the eyes, the Decepticons. Oh, I thought this was a card. Oh, no, look, it's an Autobot. Oh, no, you know. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And it just morphs and transforms. And then people pick up little bits and pieces of it. And then they come up with their own ideas and throw that out there at you. And so now everybody has a has a Christ spirit or part of the, or, or we're all part of the, of the divine and all kinds of nonsense. A proper Christology, a proper understanding of the nature and the person of Christ. Almost every false teaching starts there. When that goes south, look out, because a whole bunch of other nonsense is coming out right behind of it. All right. Watch out. All right. So on a... Now, two other, there are two other minor points that came out of the Charleston and Ephesus um, councils. Those were the only two topics discussed. And Ephesus, that's when they came up with the idea that Mary was the mother of God. Now, that, came, that did come out of that Ephesus council, Mary the mother of God, because if, in fact, Jesus is God, and Mary's his mother, therefore is not, therefore now Jesus, uh, Jesus Mary the mother of God, right? Because she wanted to give birth to him. So did Mary give birth to God? Was the, and so they concluded at that time, yeah. And that's where the Catholics picked that. The Protestants, we don't, we don't hold to that uh, position. And here's the reason why. Mary, the only contribution G Mary made to Jesus was it was human DNA. So she provided the human DNA that became, remember I said he's 100% God, 100% man. She did not pro provide any divine DNA. So to be the mother of God, she her body would have had to have created the divine DNA. Well, she didn't do that because the word just became flesh and dwelt among us. All right, so... Yes, she did give birth to Christ, 
the, the God man, when the baby was born, he had two natures. He was one person with two natures. That is correct. But the fusion of that one person to those two natures, that was a divine act of the Holy Spirit. Had nothing to do with Mary. In fact, though she provided the human DNA, she couldn't, she didn't have enough chromosomes to make it a full person. So that in itself was a creative act of God. So the whole idea of the, of the Immaculate Conception, all that was an act, 100% act of God. Mary was just a vessel. And so, yes, she did give birth, but he was already God before he got there. Because you can't, God can't have a mother because he's uncreated. He has no parents. All right, so Mary is not the mother of God. That was one of the things that came out of that council. Also, one of the other, I believe in the Council of uh, Chalcedon, one of the other issues was Pelagianism. Pelagianism. And Pelagianism teaches that, is a belief that humans are not tainted by original sin, that is, by Adam's sin, and by divine grace have free will to achieve human perfection so just by sheer willpower you can make yourself perfect because we don't have we don't have a sin nature we have man has not been affected by by original sin we're not we're our human nature is not fallen let's put it to you that way i don't think sin nature is that good of a word i uh, I, I prefer to use the word our fallen a man's uh, as a human being has fallen and in our fallenness one of the results of that is the bondage of the human will. The man cannot, unless God acts upon the human will, a man cannot accept Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus said, no man can come to me. Read the sixth chapter of John. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. Now, there's two ways you can look at this. The Calvinists would say, or the Reformed and Calvinists would say, that God has to sovereignly free the human will, regenerate the human spirit, and then uh, give you the gift of faith, and re and then you repent. So you get the you get the regeneration, you get the faith, and then the regeneration. You get those, and then you repent of sin after God frees the human will. Now, akin to Pelagianism is Arminianism, but Arminian Pelagianism is just outright heresy. We just condemn that. That's a bunch of nonsense. No, no human being is going to reach perfection by sheer willpower. And the human will is bound anyway. But Arminians will say, yes, we, are, we have been impacted by the fall. The human will is bound. But the Arminian will argue, what, what their, their argument is what a thing called prevenient grace. That at the time of birth, God preveniently, by grace, frees the human will. So you are, you would be, human will would be bound. But God frees human will at birth so that throughout your life you, you are free to, to follow Christ. And then they'll say that you come to repentance and faith. Whereas the Calvinist says, no, it's faith first and repentance. In-house debate, I think, I think the two are two sides of the same coin. They probably happen simultaneously, repentance and faith, faith and repentance. You can't do one without the other. So they, they go together. Uh, so I don't think it really matters which one comes first. As long as there's repentance and faith or faith and repentance, then you'll get saved. I don't think the order is that is, is as important as the fact that you have both of them. But we all agree. We all agree. Armenian and Calvinist alike and, and Reformed. 
that the human will is in bondage and it's not free unless God frees it. The debate is when does God free it? At birth or at the time of conversion? Okay, those are in-house debates well within the creeds. But Flagianism outright was denied. It said, no, 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 no. Man has been impacted by the fall of, and we don't, we're not what we should be. Our human, the will is in bondage. The, uh, in fact, let's look at that and, and right quick here in Ephesians. This is an appendix, actually. I'm just adding on some extra stuff, and then we'll do a regular closing. But I wanted to make mention of this. So I got to say this. I think I'd be re remiss in, uh, if I if I derelicted my duty, if I don't mention this to you. Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is. Uh, where you at, Ephesians? Okay. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 4. This is what I call the condition of the dam, the condition of the law. This is where the Bible tells you that, that sin, original sin has had an impact on us. No question about it. No question about it. I believe uh, 418. Let's see that if I can find it here for you. Yeah. Let me start at verse 17. Ephesians 4. I'll start at verse 17. All right, let's read that. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. All right, so the condition of the damned. Let's look at that, 418. Let's look at that real quick. The, the unsaved man, you're darkened in your understanding. You have a darkened mind. That means you, 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 it's cloudy as to what's true and what's right and what's wrong. That's why you end up with situational ethics and people run, oh, there's a lot of gray in this area. That's why people get confused. Number two, you're alienated. You're separated from God's life. You don't have God's life in you. That's the life that's saving. Now, God, you do have life in you, but it's not a life that saves. You're separated from the saving life and saving work of Christ. And because of the ignorance, ignorance meaning lack of knowledge that is in them. And number four, you have a hard heart. If you're, uh, That's why I'm talking to you now and you're rejecting everything that I say. Because the heart is hardened. Not because I'm saying it, but because it's out of the word of God. That's the condition of the damned. And if you're like that today, you're damned. Yes, you're condemned. And you will be facing a, an eternal stint in outer darkness and yes you will be weeping and wailing and gnashing your teeth thanks again for listening to the sword and the spirit i deeply appreciate all those of you who take time out of your busy day to listen 
sometimes if you're traveling in your car or you got to go somewhere and you want to listen, um, pop it up, pop it on and take a listen as you're making your journey to wherever your destination is um, as well. So whenever you get a chance, and I appreciate all of you who take that time out of your busy day, because I always say there are other things that you could be doing, but you'd think it's not robbery to let me spend a few, at least an hour or so with you sharing and exploring the things of God. RHYD1 2001gmail.com. Those of you who are interested in a, doing a Patreon or a, a study going through a book or a particular topic, please uh, email me RHYD1 2001gmail.com. Uh, I can be reached there. And give me your ideas for a topic or a book of the Bible that you would like to study your way through. So let me know, and uh, by God's grace, we'll set it up and we'll go. And then we can do things more in-depth. I, I don't do things in-depth out here because of time. Um, but I will, I just want to whet the appetite here. But if you want to go all in, we can do a Patreon and we can go all in on any particular topic or issue that you want to cover. So let me know, rhyd one. 2001 at gmail.com. Uh, thank everyone here that helps out and, and supports financially as well, Lord. Uh, this is free will. Nobody supports this ministry by compunction. Um, I'm not going to tell you that lie. God going to do something for you if you support this or whatever. If you support this, you'll just be supporting this and just helping me out. That's all there is to it. Um. And hopefully you see the value in it. But if you don't, that's okay. All right? So this is not that type of ministry. We are here for you regardless. And it will make no difference. God gives me breath and God allows me to live to see next week. You will get another episode of The Sword and the Spirit. And I will keep on doing this until God either tells me to stop or he takes me home. So God bless you and thank you so much. And I deeply appreciate everyone. And my prayer is that I'm helping someone in their Christian walk and to become stronger in you as well, in Christ as well. And yes, there are some good um, places where you can get great information uh, and good Bible teaching. They're out there. Maybe... Uh, if you have any questions, say, well, well, where can I go to get some good Bible teaching on TV or radio? Email me, rhyd1-2001 at gmail.com. I'll let you know. God bless, and thank you for listening.